We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me, as always, it's my guy, Kyle Madsen, the content czar over at Niners Wire of the USA Today, USA Today Sports Media Group. Kyle, what's going on, buddy? Not much. Trying to stay out of the heat. It's been super hot in Sacramento the last few days. It's just been been like 95 degrees by 11, 11 a.m., and then you talk about beating the heat at the beginning of just about every podcast. Yeah, that's well, that's like my life. I sweat. I'm a very sweaty person. And mm-hmm. so the heat is is the death of me. And and avoiding it is my 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 only goal in life. Like self-preservation is big for me. And <laughs> as is and, for, for most humans. And that and that starts with staying out of the heat. So and it's literally why today I got home from I do morning radio here in Sacramento and and then I come home and I and I write and I was gonna run some errands before the podcast and I, I didn't do anything. I sat here and I'm watching baseball and writing because I don't want to go outside. So this is what I'm doing. I'm sitting at well, home. Well, fortunately, podcasting is an indoor activity. Uh, and speaking of self-preservation, Kyle, the uh, the Niners kick off training camp. Their first practice is going to be on Saturday. They're going to report, uh, I believe, tomorrow or Friday. I'm guessing the conditioning test is probably going to be be on Friday. Um, so we're going to go through the team's defense and sort of what we're expecting in depth uh, on that side of the ball. We did a podcast about the 49ers offense and, and what to expect there with different statistical projections and, and breakdowns and things like that. In the last episode we recorded earlier this week, uh, which I was live in Sacramento, 
apologies if there were some technical issues with, with that one. We we had not recorded in, in the same room before, and uh, we might have been lacking some equipment. But um, go back and listen to that one if you uh, if you want to hear what our thoughts on the offense. This one we're going to talk about defense. Um, and I think the place to start is just kind of go back through 2018 and comb over the strengths and weaknesses of, uh, of, of Robert Sala's unit. And so, I mean, I, I think the Niners are probably a little bit better statistically than, than the results might indicate. Yeah, they were 28th in the NFL in scoring defense, allowing 27.2 points per game. We've talked at length about the historically low takeaway rate. Uh, they had just two interceptions, which was the fewest in league history. Obviously, that's a big-time problem. Um, but you look at just the counting stats, uh, the Niners were 10th in the league in yards per play, which, which isn't terrible. They were 13th in overall yardage. Again, not terrible. They were number six in opponents yards per carry. Um, and so you just look at some of those counting stats and I know those aren't the best metrics to, to gauge overall effectiveness by, but I think those are probably, you know, over a, over the, a long run, a, a span of, of multiple seasons. I think those are the are the type of numbers that you can replicate year after year, whereas the takeaway numbers uh, might fluctuate a little bit more because those 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 can vary based on luck, based on opponent, based on you know just bounces of the ball, really. So I think those are more prone to fluctuate. So you can make a case for feeling relatively optimistic about the 49ers defense, perhaps more than, than the results from last year might indicate. Um, but there are a bunch of other questions that we're going to have, which we're going to go over. Uh, Kyle, when you, when you look back on that 2018 defense, what are some of the things that, that stand out to you? I think the two things that stand out the most are, are the way injuries impacted the secondary, because that's, that's a unit that they talked all year about the communication issues they had and, Oh, this this big play happened because of a communication breakdown. And late in a couple games, they they gave up late touchdowns, and they they always blamed the communication. And I think that ties directly to coaching a little bit for sure, but more so to the the lack of playing time a lot of these guys had together. It, there there wasn't a game where the the same two cornerbacks and two safeties and and slot corner were were on the field for the entire game. And that's a problem. And I think that should should fix itself a little bit this year. But the the bigger thing that stands out, the thing that the Niners really went out and set out to fix was was the lack of a consistent pass rush off the edge. You know, DeForest Buckner was really good last year, but they didn't have a consistent just kind of game wrecking player. And John Lynch mentioned that last year that adding a game wrecking player would be huge. And I think that I think that they did that with D Ford and Nick Bosa and having two players on the edge who could potentially wind up in the 12 to 15 sack range can completely flip the 49ers fortunes defensively, both in the turnover category and, and in third down rate and in, in red zone defense. Like it just, it just makes them better all the way around. Yeah, so to your point, they started eight different combinations at safety, five different combinations at cornerback. Uh, I'm looking at their starting lineups from all la- from the entire year last year, and I mean there there really w- wasn't many instances where the same four guys started consecutive games. I don't even know. I mean, Richard Sherman, Akella Witherspoon, Marcel Harris, and Anton Exum Jr. 
had a two-game stretch late in the year. Um, early in the year, Sherman, Witherspoon, Tart, and Colbert. Uh, but wasn't and, and I mean, I, you just have to go through it's like the, there was essentially a different starting secondary every game because of all those different combinations so I, I do think to your point that that's that, that was pretty crucial in, in the in, in the issues the secondary had but on the other hand it's not like they have a totally loaded secondary even when all those guys right. are healthy and I think one of the bets the 49ers are making this year is that continuity is gonna is really gonna rise the level of that unit and on top of you know, the additions that you mentioned with the pass rush. Yeah. And, and that's, that's where, that's where I think the biggest questions are going to arise and we'll dive into the secondary a little bit later, but the lack of attention on the secondary this off season could really, could really prime them. I think to kind of repeat some of the issues they had last year, whether it's communication or misplays or, or, lack of interceptions. They both their interceptions came from safeties last year. It's Chikwaski Tard and, and Anton Exum. So they're really setting themselves up to to not have a dramatic turnaround uh, defensively by bringing back that that same group. But on the other hand, if they do get that pass rush, they need those guys to be average. If the pass rush is going to produce like they think it will. Yeah, so the major changes that that the defense made, obviously drafting Nick Bosa number two overall. Um, I think you and I both have have said multiple times that we thought he was the best defensive player in the draft. And just in terms of overall fit for what the 49ers need, they've lacked an edge pass rusher. Really, Ronald Blair was probably their best edge rusher these last couple years when when you know Cassius Marsh was really also one of the featured guys who's now back in Seattle uh, because the 49ers didn't prioritize bringing him back at all. Um, and so you bring in D Ford, who was, you know, one of the best, if not the best, at least from a statistical or analytical standpoint last year and as an edge rusher in terms of forcing fumbles, creating turnover worthy uh, pressures off the edge. So between those two guys, the 49ers are looking at a, a pretty substantial upgrade uh, at defensive end. And, and what I'm interested to see is how exactly it, it all shakes out in terms of uh, playing time, so you're gonna have you're gonna have some some got some former first round picks sitting on the bench. Eric Armstead is is probably not gonna play on on base downs, or or maybe you know he's gonna be part of the rotation. I, I would I would guess same with Solomon Thomas. Uh, DeForest Buckner is probably gonna be at three tech, uh, playing over left guard. I would I would say just about as often as possible. And then, you know, do they do they rotate in Armstead at nose tackle? Is he going to play nose tackle at all in base? I kind of doubt it. I think that's going to be Sheldon Day or DJ Jones. Um, is Solomon Thomas going to play edge at all in obvious r- rushing situations like he did last year and then kick inside and passing downs? Is he going to get more playing time than Armstead in those situations? Uh, it's really going to be a big year for Thomas. And I think Thomas could be could be a real barometer in terms of the overall effectiveness of the pass rush too, because if you look at, his potential role as a fifth or sixth guy. Um, if he has something like five or six sacks, which I think is certainly in the realm of possibility as, you know, somebody who could bounce back after really struggling last year for, for a myriad of reasons, which we've talked about and it's been written about at length, you know, dealing with his family issues off the field. Um, I, I think Thomas could be the type of player to where you look at his production and and I think you could relate it to the defense overall. It could be a significant indicator because if he is somebody, 
as a rotational guy who could come in and add five or six sacks. And I think you look at the pass rush and say, wow, they're probably going to be pretty good because if that's what they're getting from him, then I would think Ford could be up there in, in conversation for double digit sacks. Uh, Bosa clearly has the talent to be that guy, but we don't know if his health is going to permit it. We don't even know when exactly he's going to show up for training camp because as we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, he remains unsigned. And, and of course, you remember his brother held out uh, for, for about a month when he was drafted third overall by the Chargers back in 2016. So uh, given that both the Bosa brothers have the same representation at CAA, which Solomon Thomas had, um, which I, Thomas got signed. Uh, I think he signed the the very the morning of the the first practice of training camp, and he ended up running out onto the field as as his teammates were stretching. So maybe we're going to look at a scenario like that. And and Bosa doesn't miss miss much time. We'll have to see. I honestly haven't heard anything. I have no idea what to expect from in terms of the timing from from uh, Bosa and, and when that deal is going to get struck if it does get struck anytime soon. Uh, so yeah, I mean overall, I, I think. The, de- the defensive line is clearly the strength of this this team. And and if you if you expect the 49ers to contend for a playoff spot, the defensive line has to play well. It has to carry the load for the secondary or at least set the secondary up to be in much more favorable positions to succeed. I think the 49ers defense overall really suffered, too, from the offense's inability to hold on to the ball. The Niners were 30th in the NFL in turnover rate offensively which obviously didn't put the defense in good spots. And the fact that the defense couldn't take the ball away at all proved to be super problematic and, and led to those, to those super high scoring totals. Um, so if the offense cleans things up, doesn't turn the ball over, holds onto the ball a little bit longer, I think you could expect the 49ers to be better in the red zone defensively, which is another area they struggled badly last yep. year. Uh, they, they allowed touchdowns on 65 and a half percent uh, of opponents' trips inside the 20. That ranked 26 in the NFL. Conversely, the 49ers were the, were the worst red zone scoring team offensively. Obviously, without Jimmy Garoppolo, that's going to be problematic too. Uh, so the, the swing was <laughs> the Niners were scoring touchdowns on 41% of their trips. They were allowing touchdowns on opponents' red zone trips on six, 60, nearly 66% of the time. So that's a massive swing, I think. If those numbers even out a little bit, I think the numbers overall for the defense will will change a lot. Um, and I think they they could if the pass rush is as good as as we all think it could be. Um, but a lot goes into that because, like we've said before, too, the problem with D Ford is he's been injured or unproductive for basically half of his NFL career, uh, two of his four seasons, while. We don't know what to expect from Nick Bosa because the one time he did start playing actual football, he suffered a hamstring injury that kept him out of the entire offseason program. And, and I think that was largely precautionary, but injury issues dating back to college and even in high, in high school when he suffered a partially torn ACL, I mean, that, that could be problematic. And I think the injury concerns with Bosa might be one of the reasons why... Um, why there could be a snag in in uh, in the contract negotiations because you're talking about guaranteed salaries, offsets, all of those things. So we'll have to see how how all that shakes out. Hey, we've got some breaking 49ers news on the pod. I just saw that email. You want to you want to make this big announcement? Yeah, I'm going to because you want to talk about pass rush. Well, the 49ers <laughs> just bolted just bolstered it. They have signed defensive lineman Demontre Moore a former New York Giant, and a former member of the San Diego Fleet, I believe. 
in the AAF. The Niners actually had signed him earlier this offseason and then released him. And now uh, now they've re-signed him to a one-year deal the team just announced. It's a third-round pick of the New York Football Giants in 2013. He has played for the Giants, the Dolphins, the Seahawks, the Cowboys, and the Raiders. Uh, appeared in 54 games, has made 63 tackles, 10 sacks, four pass breakups, and, and two forced fumbles. Um, like you said, he signed with the team in April and was waived by May 16th. Uh, so the 49ers have roster spots available at the moment um, because Bosa has not, Bosa and wide receiver Debo Samuel have not signed their contracts. And the 49ers also released uh, kicker Jonathan Brown earlier this week because uh, Robbie Gold signed his his multi-year contract so they don't so you don't need an extra kicker so the Niners did have a little bit of roster flexibility I would imagine more is going to be on the way out as soon as Bosa signs perhaps this is a, a signal that the team is not overly optimistic that Bosa is going to report to camp on time uh, we will have to see about that uh, that's just my my first initial thought upon seeing this I haven't talked to anybody about that yet maybe it's something to where um, someone else is going to get cut. Uh, maybe there, maybe there's an injured player or something like that. Who's going to go on a, on an injured list, opening up a roster spot, but, um, yeah, breaking news on the pod. You love to see that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I guess in addition to the, well, do do you have anything you want to add about, uh, Bosa and Ford and, and what, what changes you think they could bring to the defense? No, nothing Nothing that we haven't already touched on. I, I just think that I, I'm of the same mind as the 49ers that you build front to back. And I know that there's a there's a trend in the NFL of teams prioritizing coverage players as, as offenses move toward a more quick passing game. But I still think an effective pass rush off the edge that uh, has, is in the back of a quarterback's mind, forces them to get off their spot a little bit, throws off the timing of that offense. I think it's going to ultimately make life easier on the defense. And one of the big changes too is is this whole wide nine thing. So yeah, let's talk about that. So so just to to explain sort of how that aesthetically is going to change the defense, you're going to have the defensive ends line up a little bit wider outside of the tackles, and we've touched on it before. But what that does is it makes more of a direct angle to the quarterback for those guys. So instead of having instead of lining up a little bit further inside and then trying to beat offensive tackles by winning with speed and going around them. If you widen those guys out, you can go uh, more at a straight straight angle towards the quarterback, which means you might have more pass rushing moves at your disposal. So one thing John Lynch talked about at the combine was was wanting a defensive end who had power, and and that was before drafting Nick Bosa. And Nick Bosa obviously fits that in spades, right? He's a he's a powerful defensive end. He uses leverage really well. He's probably more apt to win from a wide nine position than he would by using, you know, pure speed and athleticism to win around the edge, like some speed rushers like Von Miller is is probably the most classic example um, as somebody who's just crazy athletic who can win with burst off the edge. It's not to say Bosa doesn't have burst, but it probably better suits his skill set to, to be able to win in a multitude of ways rather than just trying to go outside uh, and, and win with straight speed. So, so that's really going to change what the 49ers do from just just a linebacker standpoint because you're going to have wider gaps between the guards and tackles offensively 
uh, which could create running lanes. And and what the 49ers are going to do is in base situations, at least, is have three linebackers at the second level of the defense, whereas they've typically had two the last two seasons with their Sam linebacker setting the edge essentially as a fifth defensive lineman, which is why the 49ers technically ran a 4-3, but they were it was more aligned like a 3-4 where you had um, – you know, an outside linebacker setting the edge this year, it's going to be those defensive ends are going to be the ones responsible for setting the edge, which means the linebackers on the inside are going to be more responsible in terms of filling those running lanes. So it'll be interesting to see how Fred Warner and Quan Alexander handle those types of responsibilities, because like we mentioned earlier, the Niners had a pretty good run defense last year, just in terms of overall efficiency, allowing just 4.1 yards per carry. That was six best. in the And they were, and they were 12th in football outsiders rushing DVOA. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how much that changes. I think the Y nine just sort of overall within the league is sort of polarizing. I think there are some people that swear by it. And I think there are others that, that don't really like it so much because it does create those lanes that that could be more difficult to fill in terms of the run game. And and we also know that the 49ers at at safety are going to be more interchangeable. So it's not going to be the classic strong safety in the box, the one gap look for, for everybody in the defensive front, they're going to be more versatile. So you're going to have maybe the free safety play in the box while the strong safety is going to be deep, or maybe you're going to have two safeties deep more often. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot more pre-snap, um, disguises going on this this year, and and you're going to see more versatility out of guys like Jaquaski Tart and maybe Jimmy Ward if if those two can can stay healthy, and that's obviously a big question mark. So, in terms of going, you know, front to back, there are going to be some pretty some pretty significant aesthetic changes in terms of what the Niners are doing. And when you look at you know Quan Alexander's, you know, somebody's 227 pounds or whatever, Fred Warner's obviously not known for being a big hulking guy. He's, he was really coveted by the 49ers because of his athleticism and pass coverage. And one of the things that Robert Salas said that Fred Warner needed to improve upon was playing with more force just in terms of tackling, uh, hitting somebody and making him go backwards instead of allowing that ball carrier to go forward. So obviously, when you hear something like that, you think about the running game. Well, now you widen out these defensive ends and you're going to ask those, you're going to need those linebackers to play with more of that force that Saul was talking about. Can they do it? Is the running defense going to take a step back off of that 4.1 yards per carry they allowed last year because there are going to be fewer bodies in the box and these guys are going to be more responsible for covering space. Uh, On the other hand, maybe that leads to them being better uh, from a pass defense perspective, which is obviously way more important and more valuable in today's NFL because teams are passing at 60, 65, some teams 70% of the time. So uh, it is, you know, uh, how, how are those changes going to balance out in terms of, you know, our team's going to look to run the ball more against the 49ers and is that going to take them out of what they want to do? Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. But those are some of the major differences we're going to see from the defense uh, in, in 2019. Yeah, that's, that's going to be because in a league where so many teams are shifting toward being kind of more spread pass heavy, if you're going to force teams to, to beat you with the run, I think that's probably a preferable outcome, especially if, if you didn't go about improving your secondary in, in the off season. But I, I could totally imagine after week five and the 49ers have gotten gashed for 200 rushing yards a game, 
uh, people calling for for a change on the on the defensive line. Ultimately, they they have to get to the quarterback. Like that's that's what's going to matter. And if the wide nine helps them do that, I think I think that that it's it's going to be an effective an effective tool on the defensive line. Kyle, summertime is pool time. Yeah, it is. Talk about beating the heat. Uh, All pool owners know the hardest thing about owning a pool is keeping the water safe. Testing your pool water is easy, but figuring out what to put into it can be a pain. Sutro has solved that problem. Sutro's free pool chemical calculator takes the hassle out of treating your pool. Our simple text-based interface allows you to test, text, and then treat your pool. Go to mysutro.com slash bluewire to sign up for Sutro's free pool calculator. If you own a pool or have friends or family who do, tell them about Sutro. It's the simple, safe, and convenient way to keep your pool water safe. Take the guesswork out of pool work with Sutro. Sign up for free at mysutro.com slash bluewire. So we've talked about the secondary probably as much as anything else on this pod, really, because the 49ers really decided not to make any significant adjustments despite despite struggling back there, uh, particularly with injuries. And like we said, five different combinations of cornerbacks throughout the year, eight different combinations of safeties has basically led to countless of combinations throughout the season in the secondary. And really, the only significant changes that, that we can mention are signing Jason Verrett, who didn't play last year because of an Achilles tear and has played in just five games since 2015 and moving to various more to safety, which may or may not be permanent. Um, Kyle, what are you expecting from these guys? Because I mean, when I look at it, I really have a hard time feeling confident that this secondary is going to make such a leap basically because outside of Richard Sherman, there, there really isn't a sure thing in terms of somebody you can rely on who's going to be healthy for at least the majority of the season. Yeah, I think really the only guy that you can circle, the only two guys that you can circle and and mark down as reliable are Akello Witherspoon and and probably Anton Exum. I think Exum is a is a good backup option just because he can kind of do a little bit of everything in the back end of the secondary, but I don't think he's a 16 game starter. Witherspoon, we've seen him play at that level more than we've seen any other of the defensive backs play at that level. And I think that if he comes in and fixes some of the things we talked about in an earlier podcast, I forget exactly when we talked about him trying to make too many plays and not sticking with his responsibilities. And he got beat a few times because of it. If he can come in and do that, I think he has the talent to be a, to be a fine starter in the NFL. He may never be an all pro, but he can start 16 games on a good defense. I don't know that you can say that about anyone else in the secondary. So that's really going into training camp. That's really all I care about defensively. Um, I, I'm I'm watching the safeties. I'm watching the corners. I'm seeing who's taking what reps with what team. Is Traverius Moore standing out a, as an option at safety? Because if that turns out to be the case and they have found money basically in a starting caliber safety and more, that's a huge turnaround for, for a defense that looked like it wasn't going to have any starting caliber players at safety going in, but really this is a, it was a huge gamble by Lynch and Shanahan to not make any big additions in the secondary. They drafted two receivers and a punter in, in rounds two through four after 
some people were thinking they might go two defensive backs in those three rounds, and they went with none. So this is a big time gamble, and I, I'm I'm not so certain that it's going to pay off. Totally agree with you. I think what and they won't say this because I asked John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan directly about this. You remember after the 2018 draft when everybody in the world thought the Niners were going to go defense in the first round with that number nine overall pick and then wound up taking Mike McGlinchey because they had decided to move on from Trent Brown. And in hindsight, you can say that's a perfectly fine and justifiable pick for a couple reasons. Right tackle is a premium position and it's important to have somebody who you think could be Joe Staley's long-term replacement down the future, particularly if you don't think Trent Brown is is worth paying and Trent Brown ended up getting the largest contract in in league history for a tackle from the Oakland Raiders and the 49ers weren't willing to go that route with Brown so finding a cheaper replacement in in McGlinchey made a lot of sense but in doing so they passed up on a ton of elite defensive talent uh including pass rushers including guys in the secondary uh, and so it led to this offseason when you go get D Ford and then you draft Nick Bosa and you sort of take that incremental step on a per season basis to say, all right, this offseason, we're addressing this position. And I sort of think next offseason is going to be the, the season, the this time when they really adjust what they're doing in the secondary for a few different reasons. First of all, I mean, we talk about the, the lack of overall talent that they have. Uh, they're going to need to add some high level players. Um, Richard Sherman is going to be 32 in 2020. Is is he going to be somebody you could rely on without a backup plan? I don't necessarily think so, just because it's a really difficult position to play when you're that age. Um, even if you're as smart as Sherman is, just, I mean, father time's undefeated, right? Yep. That's, that's, that's almost as good of a cliche as your best avail- ability is availability. Um, but so, so I asked Kyle Shanahan, and John Lynch this at a press conference after the draft, if that, if that was their thinking, because you remember after, after the uh, 2018 draft, when they took McGlinchey, they said in terms of not drafting a pass rusher at all, despite pass rush being a need back then, they said, well, you know, you have to be really good to beat out Eric Armstead and you have to be really good to beat out Cassius Marsh. And we didn't think any of those guys were there. That's a debatable point. Um, but I think their thinking was we're going to we're going to handle this one one off season at a time. So I think next off season is when we're going to see them really invest in the secondary. In the meantime, they're going to see if bolstering the pass rush can impact the secondary in a positive way this year. Uh, whether or not that's the right philosophy is is certainly up for debate. I don't really think it is. I think you just need to sort of do what's best in the moment and and try to field the best team possible because I think if you're thinking that long term you could run into trouble because the NFL is unforgiving yep. and you don't know that you're even going to be around to make those decisions in a year <laughs> you know yeah. like if, if the Niners secondary is a complete disaster this year and they don't make the playoffs then and we've talked about it in our big picture pod what does that mean for John Lynch is he even going to be the guy to rebuild the secondary in a year and maybe Maybe those guys are operating with with tons of job security because Jed York doesn't want to make another drastic change at either head coach or GM. And and I wouldn't expect him to. I think it would take a completely catastrophic season uh, for the 49ers to to really consider making those changes. But to operate from a standpoint of, all right, we're going to handle the pass rush this offseason. And then next offseason, we're going to take a look at the secondary. 
that's coming that to me, that's coming from a place of really comfortable, confident job security. Like you're, you're like, I'm going to be here. It's, it's yeah. going to be year four of our six year contract. Uh, maybe a lot of people on the outside would think it's time for heads to roll if we don't make the playoffs, but we feel comfortable enough to take this on a, on a step-by-step level or step-by-step approach. And, and I mean, I don't know if it's going to work. Uh, maybe two years from now there, the, the roster is completely built out. They're good at every level of the defense, but for right now, considering all the expectations facing the team this season and how, they basically, you know, the fans are could like just open openly revolt if they're not at least in the playoff mix come November and December. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's it's a pretty big risk, like you said. I think either way, when and I know this isn't what this podcast's about, but I think either way, when you look ahead to the 2020 draft, I think first round you're looking secondary for the 49ers because even best case scenario, I don't think they have aside from Richard Sherman. Well, even even including Richard Sherman, they don't have four players that I think are viable long-term starting options. They may get average play this year, but I don't I don't foresee anyone really stepping up and playing playing any secondary position at a level that says that's a guy they need to have around long term. Maybe Tavarius Moore, maybe Akella Witherspoon, but outside of that, I just don't I I don't see it in the secondary. I think that they can be capable enough to make a playoff run, but I, I absolutely think that that's something that, that they're going to fix, whether the secondary is, is average or, or especially if they're terrible. Yeah. You have Jimmy Ward, who's projected to be the starting free safety signed for one season. So he came back on a one-year deal, I think worth 5 million or something like that. Um, Jaquaski Tart is signed through 2020. So he has two more years left on his deal. However, the guarantees in his contract are mostly done after this season, and you can move on from him, I think, with just one and a half million of, of dead cap money after this season. So, and we talked about Richard Sherman turning 32 next spring before the 2020 season. And then, really, you have Akella Witherspoon, Tavarius Moore, DJ Reed, um, some young guys who have flashed some talent, but you don't know if, if any of those guys can be high level starters. We just simply haven't seen it because. Um, they haven't put it out there yet. Uh, I think the Niners are confident in those guys, but we don't know, which is all to say that I'm with you. I think even though we're we're a year out from this, I, I think taking the best pos- the, the best secondary, the best defensive back available in the draft, wherever they end up picking is going to be is going to be the move. Um, because I don't know. I mean, that's really the most glaring need right now. I think they're, they're mostly set at linebacker. They're obviously set along the defensive line, their offensive line. They have both their tackles and a center. Um, for now they have a quarterback, they have running backs, they have receivers. So you, you just look at how they're building the roster where they're really lacking that high level talent, young talent in particular is, is in the defensive backfield. So I, I mean, it's way too soon to, to even make any of these assumptions, but I feel comfortable saying I would be surprised if <laughs> if we're talking about the 49ers, the first round of the, of the 2020 draft, and it's anything but a defensive back. Right, and that's going to totally depend. And, and bringing that back to this year, the reasoning for that is because it's very doubtful they find a bunch of long-term options this year. They might be able to find a Band-Aid that, that allows them to be competitive, but... 
I think when we watch this defense this year, consistently game in and game out, there are going to be mistakes in the secondary that that really shine a light on the fact that they didn't make any changes there this offseason. Hey, Kyle, look at the world's tech leaders and high-growth startup CEOs. I bet you wonder how in the world they have that kind of inexhaustible energy to do what they do. The answer will surprise you. The latest trend with top tech leaders is sleep optimization. While most Americans are not getting the sleep they need, tech founders and CEOs are optimizing their sleep to perform at peak level every day. The first step, the pod by 8sleep, the ultimate sleep machine. The pod is the first and only high-tech bed designed to help you achieve peak mind and body performance. Are you looking to sleep deeper? The pod dynamically adjusts the temperature on each side of the bed so you're comfortable all night. Do you want to know your sleep intel? The pod tracks your biometrics while you sleep with no need for wearable technology. Do you want to sleep better? Enjoy personalized programs and coaching designed by experts guiding you towards true sleep fitness. Because the better you sleep, the better you everything. Try the pod for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, we'll refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup. Only at 8sleep.com slash bluewire. They already sold out the first two batches, so they're going fast. For a limited time, get $150 off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash bluewire. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash bluewire. So the starter opposite, the starting spot opposite Richard Sherman is going to be probably the most highlighted battle during training camp because it's going to be between the young guy, Nikella Witherspoon, and Jason Verrett, who we don't know what to expect because we haven't seen him play football consistently in a very long time. And, and, you know, he was a pro bowler the last time he played most of the season. But even that year, back in uh, 2014, I believe it was two games. Yeah, he missed just two games in 2014. Um, so they're very different players, and and maybe both guys are healthy. Maybe they're playing at a high level, and that that sort of changes the way we feel about this. But for now, you go down the depth chart. It's like, all right, you feel pretty good about Kwan Williams in the slot. You don't really know what to expect from Witherspoon. You really don't know what to expect from Verrett. Uh, Tavarius Moore is playing safety. Tim Harris, a six round pick. Uh, might be a little bit better than a six-round prospect, but he has a 10 injury, injury concerns coming out of college. Maybe he would have been a fourth or fifth-round pick if not for the injuries. Um, Greg Mabin hasn't hasn't shown much. Dante Johnson, obviously, back with the 49ers after bouncing around last year, not getting on the field, playing for three different teams. Um, and then you have Emmanuel Mosley, Tyree Robinson, and Alex Brown. I mean, it's hard to feel great about that cornerback group. And uh, But... Perhaps Witherspoon and and Verrett can can get the most out of each other because because that is going to be a hotly contested battle. And really, like you look at this roster and and the starting lineups. I mean, maybe it re- there's there's receiver and running back, uh, which you know we don't know how that's all going to shake out in terms of who's starting, who's who's playing a lot. But we know there uh, a lot of those guys are going to rotate, and and we have a pretty good idea. Um, we know what the defensive line is going to look like barring Quan Alexander's health. We know what the linebacker core is going to look like. Uh, we know what the safety group should look like. If these guys are healthy, really the starting right cornerback job opposite Sherman, who's going to play left cornerback as usual. 
Um, we really have like there there aren't a ton of like competitive battles happening for starting spots. Right. That's that's um, that's where that's where their lack of additions I think are really going to hurt because I think you can you can piece together a starting group. I think if if I'm betting right now with with people healthy by week one, it's it's Sherman and Witherspoon and then Ward and Tart on the back end. But if one person gets hurt, if one player gets hurt, it puts the entire secondary into disarray. And that's that's going to be a problem because if you're relying on players as injury prone as Tart and Ward and potentially Verrett, if you're relying on those guys, that's that's very, very tough. And to not add any depth was kind of a head-scratching move. I know they added Tim Harris in the sixth round out of Virginia, but even he dealt with injuries in college. So the the lack of depth, I agree with you on the on the battles for starting jobs, but behind them is where is where things get really murky for San Francisco because the margin for error becomes so, so small. And and I think too, it sort of sets up a problem that they've dealt with the last couple of years in, in Jimmy Ward's case specifically in that he hasn't really had a set position. He's played slot corner, outside corner, free safety, back to corner. Um, and now he's at safety again. Is it, could it be that Jimmy Ward's going to end up being like the number three cornerback on the outside right? and have the starting free safety spot? Is that going to allow Adrian Colbert to, to get back into the starting lineup if one of the corners goes down? Or is Tervarius Moore, who's played at safety throughout the spring program and is probably going to start there, um, not in the starting lineup, but is going to play safety early in training camp, is it going to be a lot for him to move back to cornerback now if you need to do that because you don't have the production or the or the health that you need at that cornerback yep. spot? So they're really juggling a lot of things in the secondary, and I'm really curious to see how it all shakes out because it's such an important aspect of the defense. and And – like we said, like the, the 49ers are banking on an improved pass rush, really masking some of these issues. And maybe it will. I mean, maybe maybe the Niners defensive line will will hit its ceiling finally and you'll get, you know, something like seven or eight sacks from Bosa as a rookie. You'll get double digit sacks from Ford as he, um, you know, creates forces fumbles at, at a similar rate to, to like he did last year. Uh, maybe that just makes the secondary a whole lot better because quarterbacks are throwing off platform. They're, the timing is off because they have to get rid of the ball faster than they would like. Um, maybe you know we'll have to see. And and maybe the the fact that um, and we don't know that Quan Alexander is going to be healthy or or when he's going to be healthy or how many games he's going to play. But maybe Alexander ends up being uh, once he's healthy and in there a more stable force than Reuben Foster was. Yeah. And maybe that impacts the secondary because what Alexander does in coverage uh, makes things easier on the safeties, for example. Um, so we'll really have to see. It's I have no idea what to expect, but I but I I do think some of the counting statistics, like we said earlier, could give you reason to be optimistic, maybe more optimistic than than what the overall scoring numbers said last year. And, and like we said, if the offense holds onto the ball. Um, if the pass rush is improved, maybe that will make the secondary just look a whole lot better. Uh, but we'll have to see. And, and speaking of, you know, the pass rush, I think one thing that, that we do have to talk about before we wrap up is the fact that 
this is essentially a contract year for DeForest Buckner. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he's, he's, it's his fourth season. Obviously the team already picked up his fifth year option there. That's, um, that, that is in play, but basically Buckner is going to use this year to make his case for one of the, one of the biggest defensive contract or contracts from a defensive player in the NFL. Um, and I think as time goes on, as a salary cap continues to rise, um, you see these players just based on timing, not necessarily talent, but timing is is what garners the biggest contract, right? So the longer DeForest Buckner waits to sign his deal, the more money guaranteed per season um, that he's going to get. So by by deciding to wait and not sign the contract extension this offseason sets him up to get a big payday maybe this time next year or maybe next offseason, whatever. He could have a really monstrous season. Because, yeah. like we said, the defensive ends are are significantly better than than what Buckner has played with in the past. He's he should command far fewer double teams because you have to account for those defensive ends in your protections, uh, and you have improved depth behind him because without having to play Eric Armstead on the edge and Solomon Thomas on the edge as much as the 49ers have, maybe you dial back Buckner's snaps early in games so you can allow him to be fresher and more energetic later in games. Uh, so maybe he makes some big splash plays, you know, a forced fumble or a sack on a key third down in the fourth quarter or whatever. Uh, maybe he, he's more prone to making that type of uh, game-changing play, which, you know, Buckner hasn't really done to this point. And it's not a knock on him in any way. It's just that he hasn't really been in position to because the 49ers haven't played a ton of close games um, these last couple of seasons. And they're, they have, frankly, the Niners haven't played in many big games over the last couple of years. Yeah, um, true. So you... You wonder if, I mean, I think something we have to keep into account going into 2019 is this is essentially a contract year for Buckner in that he wants to sign a new deal next offseason. The Niners want to keep him. They want to pay him, um, or at least all indications are that's the direction that, that they're headed. They've said as much. Uh, so if Buckner replicates what he did last year with 12 sacks, with a really high pressure rate, playing a ton of snaps, um, not, you know, he's missed one game in three seasons and, and his durability is something that the 49ers haven't really been able to count, count on from, from many other players on the roster, because just about everybody we talk about with this team, from, from the quarterback to the secondary, we're talking about injury yep. concerns, um, which isn't rare in the NFL, but Buckner's durability is rare in the NFL. And the fact that he is such a reliable player is going to factor in pretty significantly into his contract talks. So if Buckner comes in and has a 12 sack season and the Niners defense takes a significant step um, in terms of everything Buckner does off the field in practice, uh, the Tony sets in the locker room leadership, all of that stuff is, is, is a plus. And so you're going to look at him possibly getting one of the highest, one of the largest contracts of any defensive players in the league next summer. And it could be that Buckner's making $20 million a year and maybe even a little more if if he ends up being a defensive player of the year candidate, which I think, you know, he could be. I think a lot would have to go right for the 49ers just as a team for, for that to be in the mix. Like, I think the Niners would need to either make the playoffs or, you know, be in contention in the NFC West to, to win the division yeah. with the defense m- making significant strides and Buckner needing, you know, 12, 13, 14 sacks and a bunch of splashy plays to be in that mix. But it's certainly not impossible because he's talented enough to do it. 
And it would be a huge development next offseason if you're looking at paying Buckner something like $20 million a season and giving him, you know, 60 to $80 million guaranteed or whatever it would take to sign him. Yep. All right. So with that, I think that's all we got. Um, training camp starts. The next time we talk to you guys early next week, we will have uh, probably three training camp practices under our belt. So we'll have a, a really good idea where things stand in terms of a lot of these injured guys we're talking about and uh, in terms of how the defense looks, where guys are lining up, who's playing with you know the starters, the second stringers, the third stringers, all that. Uh, we'll probably have some interesting quotes from from people like Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Shanahan, Richard Sherman to talk about. So keep an eye out for that, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Football is here. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a 4-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.